0: again turn to john 12 that's where we're going to begin we'll be in verse 23 i'm sorry verse 42 i should have studied this week darn it (laughs) this is where we left off last week Uh, john 12 verse 42 Uh, nevertheless this is the response even among the rulers many believed in jesus they believed in him Uh, But because of the Pharisees, these are just normal people, uh, but because of the Pharisees, these normal people, they didn't confess him lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Well, then Jesus, in response to this, I believe, cried out and said, he who believes in me, he believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me, he sees him who sent me. I've come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. I believe he's pleading his case here to these rejectors. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I don't even judge him. At least not now. for, For I did not come to judge the world. I came to save the world. He who rejects me and does not believe my words, he has that which judges him. The word that I've spoken will judge him on that last day. You'll remember the time that you heard God's word on that last day. He says verse 49 for I have not spoken on my own authority but my father who sent me he gave me a command that I should say and uh, what I should speak and I know that his command is everlasting life therefore whatever I speak uh, just as the father has told me that I speak Father we ask in Jesus name that the words of um, your son would have a room in our hearts today and that they would find soil that is fertile uh, for growth Lord, I thank you for the men and the women uh, that are here today, the the kids, the Sunday school workers. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, lead us and you would give us what we need to walk properly and circumspectly in these last days. And so we look to you with great joy, great peace, great hope, great faith, and great love. Bless us now, and I uh, ask your help to teach today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you're taking notes for your life group, I would encourage you to. There's note um, material in front of you, sermon note material. Write down some big ideas, meditate on. Um, By the way, one of the biggest dangers of the American church is uh, Bible teaching churches like this. It's one of the biggest dangers uh, to the church today is churches just like this, because the danger is, like James told us, you can come to a church like this, you can agree with what the pastor says, you um, you can laugh at the pastor's jokes, and you can understand his illustrations, and you can be all about it, and there's a problem within your psyche that thinks if you agree, oh, that's totally true, that's totally true, if you agree, you actually trick yourself into thinking you're doing it. You, can, you trick yourself, you're like, man, I totally believe that. I totally, man, the righteous are as bold as a lion. That's right, I should be, I'm, I'm as bold as a lion. But then you, you agreed, free, you're a hearer only, James said it, Jesus' brother. You're a hearer only, not a doer, and you're deceiving yourself. Anybody ever been self-deceived? Did you know it at the time? Uh-uh. He didn't even know it, and uh, so I encourage you to take notes. I just, I plead with you. There was a time in my life where that's all I did was take notes. I took notes. I listened. I re-listened. I'd buy CDs and tapes and re-listen again, and then as I got to know a few things, I stopped taking notes and kind of got lazy in my Bible study and my attendance and kind of just listened and and looked for the the easy application and the jokes and kind of, you know, started to coast through my Bible study pew days where I would sit there, and I had to repent and still do when I listen uh, to others who are uh, teaching and, and the, when the word is uh, being spoken. So anyways, if you're writing notes, that's, that's not even the sermon today. That's just, that's just what I felt like saying. Um, I would write this at the top. Uh, this is, uh, write this, stay close to Jesus and humble yourself, okay? That'll change your life, that alone. If you did all that, I don't even have to talk anymore. If you stay close to Jesus and you humbled yourself, we, would, we could all go home, watch the World Cup at your house, and uh, we could just hang, I mean, I'll tell you, stay close to Jesus and humble yourself. Write that down. Now, this is Jesus' close, his final, his finale, public teaching. Right here, I just read it to you. No more public teaching. Okay, no more public teaching. He'll teach from the cross a little bit as he shares the seven sayings from the cross. He'll teach a little bit while on trial, but this is his final, I'm a free man before I'm arrested, public teaching, Uh, to the public now one would think okay if you're uh, teaching the public this is your last hurrah you've been marching for three years doing miracles facing opposition facing rejection facing critics and this is your final time how would you approach that if they just said well we kind of like everything you're doing but we're not going to confess you because of these pharisees Uh, we are more interested in the praise of man than the praise of god Uh, how would you react if you were jesus really really okay well let me give you the my my best turn or burn message would, could Jesus come out with a turn or burn message right here? Like, man, I'm going to firebomb you. And uh, I, could, he, could he melt their faces off right now? Anybody think Jesus could melt faces? Okay, Jesus can melt faces. And, uh, and uh, you might think that he would um, you know, spit on the ground and walk away, or you might think that he would um, you know, picket them or say, let's open up a Facebook page against all these rejectors and let's close down those clinics. Let's bomb those organizations. Let's do that. Let's, let's push back on them. Could, could you imagine that? We can imagine it. Not, not from Jesus, though. Uh, that's not what we get. That's not his final message at all. Uh, the final message from Jesus Christ is a, um, a reminder of why he even came in the first place. So guys, you don't believe in me? Are you for real? I'm, I'm the light of the world. Light's a good thing, last time I checked. I, I, I came to bring everlasting life. That's a good thing, last time I checked. And, and he begins to, I think, uh, lead or end should i say with his final message and i'll tell you what his final message pay attention hyper spiritual critical christian his uh his final message isn't about the world it's about himself it's, it's about jesus It's about him it's all about him and i think there are a lot of christians a lot of temptation in our culture to push back on the world to say you're doing it wrong and that's going to take you somewhere you don't want to go and you need to watch out for that and and there is a place for that obviously in conversations that are correct in that um in that regard but his message is guys i'm on your team when you see me you see the father okay you guys are all about the father these are jews they 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 totally love the father they're rejecting the son he's like well dudes, you're not you're not even seeing it right you see me, you see the Father. And, and I just, I want you to get this. Jesus is saying to them, and we'll segue, hopefully, if I don't keep um, talking too long, we'll get to John 13, and Jesus has what's called the final upper room discourse, which is his final message to his boys. We have the final words of Jesus. We're in the last 24 hours of his life here. I mean, this is an epic time uh, to be at church today, to be studying the Gospel of John as we get to peek into what Jesus was going through. And, um, at the end of John 12, I just read it to you, his public ministry finishes. Doors are closed. And I would say this, while Jesus ends that message on light and on salvation and everlasting life and all these good things, he's pleading with them. There is an ending to his pleading. And the message will stop. There will be a day. It's called judgment day. He said, today's not judgment day. Today's the day of salvation. He said, there will be a day though when all of humanity will be asked to turn in their cards. Okay, game's over. Turn your cards in. Uh, Hit, one more, just hit more. Nope, it's over. Pencils down. You ever been in a test before? Timer goes off, pencils down. You're like, oh my gosh. I didn't even have my name turned out right. You know, this is horrible. And uh, there's gonna be, listen, there will be a time where the teaching, the ministry, the church, the age of grace, it's over. And uh, we see that enacted here. And I just want you to get uh, the heart of Jesus because if you get the heart of Jesus, you're gonna stay humble and uh, you're gonna humble yourself and you're gonna stay close to Jesus. And that is his pleading to this group of people that are rejecting him. Let's talk about rejection. Why did they do this? And... um Let's look at their response to the teaching and then the Lord's response to them. Look at verse 42. It says, nevertheless, even among the rulers, many of them believed. They did believe, uh, but because of the Pharisees, these are the religious leaders, the police, the ones in charge, uh, because of them, they didn't confess him, lest they they should be put out of the synagogue. And again, I've mentioned this before. To be put out of the synagogue, that's the place of worship in Jerusalem. That's not necessarily like, well, I got to go find a new church. Uh, To be put out of the synagogue is a big thing. You couldn't trade with business anymore. Your family wouldn't recognize you. To be put out of the synagogue was bigger than just getting a new uh, church family and moving on. It was big time. So I do understand um, what was being asked of these people to say, I'm a Jesus follower. I now go with this Messiah. This rabbi is mine. If they were to do that, they would lose quite a bit. But listen, uh, be that as it may, look at their heart. Verse 43, they loved The praise of men more than the praise of God. John writes that because it's true. John writes that because he wants us to consider the pitfalls that come from that. Uh, The praises of man, uh, the fear of man is a snare, the Bible tells us. When you live for what other people think about you, and when you don't do what you should do because of what other people will think about you, you are walking into a snare, you are living in a trap, you are living a life less fulfilled than it should be when you care more about what people think, listen, than what God thinks. Now this is crazy because you and I should be so concerned with what God thinks because I think he matters more. I'm pretty sure he's more important than what humanity has to say. And uh, um, and the problem with living for the praise of men, here's the problem with it. Please listen, because most of you agree, yeah, totally, I shouldn't be living for the praise of man. I shouldn't be so concerned with what my neighbor thinks or what my boss thinks. I shouldn't be so concerned with what my social circle thinks. I shouldn't be so concerned with what my Facebook friends think. I shouldn't be so concerned. Um, here's the main problem. You all agree. I, I believe you agree. The main problem is that people are fickle. And they will change on you like that. You will live for their approval. You will do everything for their approval. You won't let your light shine in order not to offend. And you might gain some sort of uh, camaraderie with some people, social circles or whatever. But when they don't like you anymore, like the Miami Heat fans uh, in game five, I believe it was, or game four, maybe I can't remember, last game. You guys watch that? Uh, in the third quarter, they came out, the Miami Heat at home, they came out playing against the San Antonio Spurs in the NBA finals. And they came out of their own locker room to booze from their home crowd. This is the defending NBA champions. Champ- champions. So the Miami Heat, the Miami, wherever that's at, Florida probably, Miami can say, we are the champions and here our champions are and within 12 minutes from the last quarter, boos. Just turn like that. And I tell you what, people are fickle. If you're looking for uh, the approval of man, it is a fleeting attempt. And I would just encourage you uh, not to do that. Uh, When it comes to Christ and and Christianity at large, the world will reject you. I just want to let you know right now, you're not going to be popular you're gonna be rejected. You're gonna be thought of as differently. Here's a test. Okay, write this down. This will be a fun experiment. Uh, Go to the community college sometime uh, uh, next term or the library or maybe even your your place of business and go to a coworker, a friend or a stranger and strike up a conversation and then when it gets time, tell them this. Say, I've been studying the teachings of Buddha and uh, then quote to them a few uh, really cool uh, quotes of Buddha. There are some cool quotes out there and so quote them to them and see how they react in the world, whether a stranger or a coworker and they're gonna be like, wow, that's right. I respect you, you're very intellectual and it's pretty amazing that you would do that and uh, tell me more and all the rest. And then uh, a couple weeks later, come back and say, you know what, as I've been reading, I'm actually, I, I, don't, I, th- I think he's crazy and I don't, I don't really follow Buddha anymore, but I have been studying the words of Jesus and it's crazy too. Let me just tell you what Jesus has to say and then drop a few verses on them and see the reaction. Okay, it will be striking indifference uh, the way that they accept you for your worldly uh, worldview or the difference if you have a biblical worldview. And can I just encourage you all, have a biblical worldview, listen, that is biblical. Okay, you gotta have a biblical worldview that is biblical, and it's not just about Jesus necessarily, Um, it's in regards to all the controversial issues that the Bible teaches on. Okay, Uh, are you ready to uh, say what the Bible says about premarital sex? Are you ready to speak uh, to people and to stand on what it uh, says about abortion, what it says about entertainment, what it says about same-sex marriage, uh, what it says about absolute truth? What does the Bible say about who Jesus is? And is he the only way? And is he God? And is there even a God? What about evolution and creation? Are you ready to stand and just, you don't have to be obnoxious, you don't have to be belligerent, you don't have to be rude, but I do encourage you to have a stance that is biblical. Just stand there. What does the Bible say in Ephesians 6? After putting all your armor on, having done all, stand. Can't we go cut everyone up with our swords? Nope. (laughs) Nope. Nope. Just stand. Take a stance. Something. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for everything. It's just the bottom line. I took a stand in college one time and I remember I was uh, in trouble. That's what, that was my catalyst at the time. Great way to take a stand for something is when your, your life is failing. And I had this fake ID and I remember I was in trouble and i just uh, gotten arrested and, and uh, let go at the very same time. And so I went back to my dorm and I was there with my 20 or so friends and they were consoling me saying, man, it's so, such a bummer you got arrested, bro. And I was like, you know, I kind of see it differently. This is what I needed. And they're like, what are you talking about? I was like, well, I don't really want to be this guy. Anymore, and I took my other fake ID that the cop didn't find. <laughs> I'm that guy. I'm your pastor. Pray for me. And uh, and I pulled out that fake ID and I burned it right in front of my friends. It was pretty hard to come by fake IDs. I remember it was worth a lot of money, and I just burned it right in front of them. And one guy in particular, his name was Jeb, watched me. He's like, he that's uh, he went and got his fake ID and burned it too. I didn't even know he was a Christian. I didn't know what he was struggling with, but he saw me take a stand to move in the right direction and he was encouraged and the catalyst keeps going and you got to take a stand out of just encourage you have a biblical worldview um, because you never know when you're going to be asked uh, to to use it okay right now you got to make some decisions what do you believe about stuff what do you believe it won't be fun all the time it may be unpopular and um, you never know what's going to happen as a matter of fact Thursday I got to knock at our door I get a lot of action at my house sometimes and uh, knock it at the door and, and Noah ran to the door my six-year-old and he opens the door and it's three mormon mormonary that's a cool word uh, mormon missionaries and uh, these three mormon guys are there and so I was like okay we're, we're going we're doing this and um, so I walked uh, over to them and I said let's I said what are your names I walked outside I was like what are your names and uh, this one guy had a little spice to his uh, response he said uh, uh Elder Wilkins it's right on my name badge and I said, no, no, first name. Tell me your first name right now. And he told me his first name was Zach, Austin, and Bryce. And I said, okay, let's pray. I said, can I pray for you guys right now? I'm just going to pray. And I went into prayer, and I prayed that God would open their eyes to the blindness that they have been walking and the lies that they have believed. And, uh, and I, I prayed this prayer. Don't You don't need to clap. And I, and I just prayed, and I prayed for them. I was like, okay, hey, well, we started with prayer. Now let's talk. And we got to talking about uh, what they believe, and, and I got to talking about what the Bible says. And I'll, tell you, I'll be honest, it's, you, it's, it, you clap, and it sounds fun. It was uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable. You know, I could have just said, hey guys, I don't have time. I don't want to be bold right now. I don't want to be, I don't want to be confrontational in any way. I just kind of want to let my light hide. And I've done that too. have done that too. But I, I can't say I was ready, but apparently it, it was ready and, and that they were ready. I'll tell you more about their story in a minute. But I just encourage you guys, if you live for the, we're talking about the praises of man. If you're living for the praises of man, if that's what identifies you, if that's what's um, what, if that's why you do what you do or why you abstain from doing what you should do. Okay, thumbs down. You're doing it wrong. Me too. And, G- and John identifies that these guys, they loved, they heard Jesus, they saw him, they loved him. How many of you guys don't raise your hand? Hear what Jesus says. You see what Jesus does and you love him. Don't, yeah, for sure. Are you confessing him? Okay, I'm not talking about, you know, picketing and protesting and starting facebook pages being crazy but do you have a biblical worldview that you're confident in that the world rejects that's crazy i mean how many of you are like going after wanting wanting to be rejected by the world just think about it i mean if you're trying to do it any other way if you're trying to dance around these subjects and trying to you know uh, sit on the fence and you're trying to coexist you're reading the, the wrong book totally reading the wrong book and uh These guys, they missed out on what I believe God had for them. Here's a couple things that'll happen, by the way. These are ramifications. If you love the praise of men, write these down. Um, More than God, you'll no doubt waffle on tough issues. You'll just, you'll waffle. You won't know the right answer. Um, You're not gonna be a bold witness. You're not gonna, you won't won't risk being rejected. And uh, you're not gonna forgive and forget, okay? Because you're gonna want your reputation. You're gonna protect who you are and you're not gonna, you'd rather hold on to grudges if you really care about what God thinks of you more than anything else, you're just going to let it go. I mean, you're going to be so free. You're going to be so free because you're living, listen, you're living for an audience of one. If you live for an audience of one, I mean, you 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 win. Driving through town, going to the grocery store, loving your spouse, raising your kids, paying your bills. Live for an audience of one. If you live for an audience of one, if you live for Jesus, I, you'll... The Bible says that when a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies are at peace with him. If you're living for Jesus, you, you're going to be set uh, up in a good way, and um, if you love the praise of men, uh, you will uh, seek your own glory, and uh, you're going to fall into the trap of living a shallow life, and I, just, I would say seeking your own glory is one of the biggest uh, vain pursuits uh, of mankind. I want, to be, I, want to, I want them to think I'm better. I want them to think I'm more. I don't want to say this because I want to appear more spiritual or more whatever than I am. And uh, I just want us to be more concerned. For me, I just had a great time this week meditating on this, more concerned with what God thought of my thoughts, my attitudes, my actions, my intentions, and it just set me free. Set me free because I ended up being and doing everything I wanted to do anyways. Um, so awesome well uh, the, the identity of these guys is, is put out there for us look at jesus's response uh, to what i would call this wussy faith and uh, he states that uh, uh, to love him and to believe in him is to believe in god look at verse 44 then jesus cried out and said look if you believe in me uh, he who believes in me believes not in me but in him who sent me and he who sees me sees him who sent me jesus looks at these guys who won't confess him i call it w- wussy faith okay that's what I said in my notes. I'm not sure if I was supposed to say that, but anyways, it's there, and uh, he says to them, it's me, Jesus, and I represent the Father, like the boss. If you want to be confident, if you want to, you know, live for somebody, you might as well live for the boss, like the one in charge. Why not not impress him, and why not be bold in your stance because of him, because last time I checked, he is the boss of everything, and uh, you want to be right with him Uh, verse 46 uh, Jesus again uh, states he who believes." or verse 46 says I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness and if anyone hears my words and does not believe I don't judge him I did not come to the world uh, to judge uh, but to save the world look at verse 46 I believe he's looking at them going really you'd rather have the praises of man I'm the light of the world I came to that you wouldn't be in darkness anymore and uh, why wouldn't you come to me because of my light that I'm drawing you out of darkness? I don't think I need to argue too much or even give very many examples uh, to convince you that there's darkness in the world. Hello? You guys ever re- go on the internet or anything like that? And I uh, see the news and, and maybe there's a school shooting here or a college shooting there or, or maybe there's destruction over there, or rioting over there, or coups over there or, or there's uh, sex trafficking everywhere, even in our own country. And, and I, I don't have to convince you of the darkness of our society, let me just say this though. What you know of the darkness of our culture, what you see on the internet, what you read in the paper, what you hear on the radio, what you talk about at Starbucks, what you know is what bubbles to the surface. That's just what makes the surface. Okay? As it bubbles to the surface like a, like a mountain exploding, below the surface is the rivers of lava, okay? the rivers of sin and depravity and the reality of our culture globally is the darkness. Okay, What we know is just the bubbles. I sometimes think about what God sees in all of the dark recesses of our minds and all of the dark recesses of uh, basements hidden away and all of the, the underworld activities. And Jesus is like, hey, you'd, you'd rather, okay, so you're not going to go with me. I'm the light of the world. And if you go with me, you're going to be rescued from darkness. Like, that's a good thing. Like, Okay. Before you reject me, let's just go over the contract again one more time. I want you to see this. Like, okay, this is a good thing. Like, I die, you live, and um, I lose, and you win. You win, and this is a good trade. I give you everything that you need, and I take everything from you that you can't pay for. Your sin. I mean, is that the great exchange or what? And I think Jesus is saying. To these people, if you abide in me and you come to me, you're gonna have light and illumination. Now light, uh, he says of himself, this isn't the first time he's mentioned light. He always calls himself light and he always calls the world darkness. And uh, light has multiple effects um, on various objects, yet in essence doesn't lose its character. Okay, light is always light. Light doesn't expire, light doesn't grow old, uh, at least on our scale. And light is, it's just, it's light, but it has different reactions to different things. You shine light on plants, it's going to grow and produce fruit. It's a good thing. You shine light on ugly bugs and spiders. What do they do? They run. They hide. I don't like that light. I come out at night. And uh, Jesus says, no, no, I want, I want, I'm the light. Come out of the darkness into my presence and lean on me and I will give you direction. He goes on. This is his closing thought. And he says, if anyone hears my words and doesn't believe them, um, I don't judge them. I came to save the world. Verse 48, he who rejects me and doesn't receive my words has that which judges him. The word, the word, my friends, uh, that I have spoke will judge him in the last day for I have not spoken on my own authorities. Like I'm not just making stuff up, but the father who sent me, he gave me a command that I, what I should say and, and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. Jesus signs off here saying, guys, I'm the light of the world. I'm trying to rescue from darkness. Uh, my Father's message is everlasting life, and uh, I don't speak of my own authority. He's given me everything I've said. I only say what he says. And then he kind of drops the bomb there and says, there will be a judgment day. There will be a judgment day, and that what is going to judge you is the word that I've spoken to you, the words that he's preached, the red letters the times where you've heard, where I've heard, where they've heard that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and they've said, and we've said, and, and people have said, no, no, I'm not going to have you be my king. I'm not going to have you rule over me. I'd, ra- I'd rather just, just leave me alone. I've got my thing kind of figured out, my public opinion. I don't want you to mess with it. that word that he has spoken will be uh, what judges people and uh when those Mormon guys came to my house, uh, we were con- conversing and, and it was going good. And I was sharing with them. I said, Look, here's the problem, guys. Here's the problem. I said, The problem's your book. And they had the Book of Mormon with them. I said, The problem's your book. You guys are reading the wrong book. And they said, Well, this is just another gospel of Jesus Christ. I said, Okay, stop. I said, Galatians 1 8. I said, You guys know this. You're trained. I'm not, but I'm going to say it anyways. I said, Galatians 1 8 says that if anybody has another gospel of Jesus Christ, i'm just repeating your words it says if anybody has another gospel another revelation of jesus christ let that person be accursed it says that even if listen guys listen guys even if that gospel came from an angel of light i said joseph smith your homie uh, he got his gospel of jesus christ uh, from an angel of light correct and they're like yeah i was like okay, okay 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 i'm not making stuff up here but uh galatians saw that coming And said, if that happens, that guy, that group, that book's cursed. You know their answer? We don't believe that. I said, I know you don't believe it, but that doesn't mean it's not true. I said, right now the sky's blue and there are stars that you can't see. I can tell you they're there, but because you can't, you can say, I don't believe they're there. You know, doesn't mean they're not there. They're still there. You can say, I don't believe it. That's your stance. You can say you don't believe it. That's fine. It's still true, though that's the problem you guys are believing a lie you need to repent i said i told him i said study joseph smith study secular history i said do it biblically and do it your book uh doesn't i don't care F- study some people that were, were not biased study joseph smith study brigham young study the history of mormon church and you will find it being false and all, all this stuff. anyways that's how it went sorry <laughs> and then i invited him in for coffee no, i didn't do that <laughs> The interesting part, I'll just, I don't know why I'm saying this now, but at one point, they um, he's, one of the guys said, "Aren't you the pastor of South Beach Church?" <laughs> and uh, and I, I just thought I, I I lied and said no. And no, I'm just kidding. No, I said I said yeah I am, and I you know all the rest. And he asked a couple other uh, not personal questions, but questions that he knew who I was. And so I hope they come back. And and uh, uh, Bryce Austin, and um, thank you, Zach, and uh, pray for those guys. Listen, they just didn't believe these Mormon guys. Jesus here saying, look, that's just, I've spoken my word, okay? I'm not going to arm wrestle you into heaven. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to arm wrestle you into sanctification. I've given you my word. Now make a choice. By the way, this is the coolest thing about humanity. We have our free will. We make a choice. God doesn't want robots. God, is, God wants us to be in a love relationship with him where we have possibly even tested out other lovers, Buddha, this way, selfism, you choose it. You're like, man, each one of these other ways is leaving me high and dry, taking advantage of me. And then you come to the Lord and you taste and see that the Lord is good. And it says, blessed is the man or woman who trusts in the Lord. You just gotta taste them. You, ch- you gotta check him out, see if the Lord works. I, t- I guarantee you he does because everything else is bankrupt and broken. And that is what he wants us to believe. Now that ends the public ministry, the public teaching of Jesus Christ. Um, John 13 is uh, the beginning of the upper room discourse. Check this out. Just get this in your mind's eye. You're traveling here. I hope you come to South Beach Church regularly and you're gonna be with us for the next year as we finish this next 24 hours, okay? Now, the next 24 hours of Jesus's life is detailed in John 13, John 14, John 15, John 16, John 17, John 18, and John 19. 24 hours crammed into that, you think there's a lot to say? You think there's a lot going on? Think there's a lot for that John thought was man, don't miss this. This is this is it. Uh, in August we're gonna um, see um, the NFL return. Are you excited? yeah for sure and here's how it works in the NFL in the NFL you got the, like four or five weeks of pre-game um, activity on Sundays just pre-game stuff it's kind of fun to see what's going on the new players and and then it starts the that's uh, the preseason, uh pre-game preseason, and then the season begins and it's pretty important and then it ultimately gets down to the playoffs and and uh, people get eliminated and after the playoffs it gets down to the quarterfinals and the semifinals and then it gets down to the the Super Bowl okay everything leading up to the Super Bowl John 13 and beyond, and even John 13 primarily is the Super Bowl of the life and ministry, purpose and intent of Jesus Christ. Okay, we're here. I want you to pinch yourself. I want you to say what in the world is going on. If Jesus just gave on his, as his kuma uh, rod or whatever, however you say that, somebody knows, I don't know. If he, however, he gave his grand finale speech to these people. I'm the light of the world. I came to preach salvation, okay? I'm representing the Father. That was to the public people, now to his private people. Uh, would you expect... As Jesus hands off the baton of the kingdom of heaven, the baton of the miracles of God, the baton of the message of Jesus to his guys, how, could he, how would he do it? What would be the best way for Jesus to do this? Uh, let's, here's a few suggestions. Maybe like a, um, uh, uh, a soul-shattering sermon where Jesus stands up and just preaches to them and their faces are melting on the walls a little bit. And it's just amazing. Like a good sermon, would that be a good way to get those guys going? Uh, I was going to use as an illustration, uh, William Wallace riding back and forth between his armies of Scotland as they rode into war there. That last speech! With a half face painted blue, you know? I'm like, yeah! Yeah! (laughs) And I didn't do that, and then... um, what if Jesus, you know, after all of these miracles and teachings, he's got the, the last moments with his disciples. Okay, I'm going to give you guys this miracle. They've all been good. This one is going to blow your face right off, and then I'll put it back on. That's a miracle, okay? <laughs> I'm going to do a miracle that is so amazing, mind-bending. You know, would that? I'd be into that. You know, like he's going to leave. He's going to die and leave, and so why not uh, leave us with something to think about And uh, instead of uh, giving them all kinds of skills to fight as freedom fighters and take over the world and combat skills and bow staff skills and nunchuck skills and debating skills and running skills, you know what he gives them? Write this down, humility skills. Okay, we've been learning counterintuitive lessons from the king, things that just don't make sense, but they're still true. So here's Jesus. Okay, guys, come on in. Let's go to an upper room by ourselves. And uh, let's get real private because I'm about to leave. In 24 hours, I'll be dead. And uh, everything changes then. And so I'm going I'm I'm to lead you into the secrets of the kingdom. Okay? I'm going to give you my arsenal. Okay? I mean, I'm thinking, yeah, what do you got, Jesus? Something big, something crazy. And uh, it's the exact opposite of what I think uh, something would work to take over uh, the kingdom of God. So, how is he going to prepare them to take over the world, to lead the charge and be victorious over the wiles of the enemy? What's, what's going to be their MO according to Jesus' last message? Uh, well, let's look and see what he does. And uh, you can just write in there, humble yourself. Humble yourself. This is so fun. I am so ready to humble myself in so many areas of my life uh, based on what Jesus uh, shows us in this text and what I've been learning uh, through the people that I study from. And uh, look at verse 1. It says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come and that he should depart from the world uh, to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Uh, supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Said in the context, Judas is there, uh, possibly with money in his pocket already, a heart bent towards evil. Uh, he's, at the, he's at the meal. And uh, Jesus, verse 3, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, uh, he rose from supper, laid aside his garments, and he took a towel, and he girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel uh, with which he was girded. And then he came to Simon Peter, possibly last, I'm not sure. And, and Simon re- responded, Lord, you can wash my feet too? Jesus answered and said, what I'm doing, you, you don't even understand right now, but you know, you'll, you'll get it later, Pete. And uh, verse eight, Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And uh, Jesus answered him, look, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. Simon Peter uh, said to him, "Well, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. <laughs> let's again, let's have bath time, Jesus. This is great." <clears throat> and uh, Jesus says, uh, "Verse ten: He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean." I'm talking to Peter, "You're clean, Pete. You're clean, Peter. But not all of you." And he knew. Uh, who would betray him. Therefore he said, you are not all clean. Now turn back to verse one. I want you to get the context before we try and dissect it and make application. This is Jesus' final skills he's going to implement to the disciples. Here's what I want you guys to get. Okay, not hermeneutics, not homiletics, not apologetics, not ecclesiology, not eschatology, not all this cool stuff. What I want you guys to get is humility. Now how many of you guys can get humility? Let me just say something about humility right off the bat just in case we uh, bog down a little bit here. Uh, humility is uh, it's not an attitude. It's an action. Humility is not an attitude. As a matter of fact, if you have the attitude, listen, this will blow your mind. Might even destroy your whole case for yourself. If you have the attitude of humility, but no action of humility, it's false humility. If you are the most humble person you know, and, you have humble, and your attitude is just so humble, but there's no action of humility. You're not humble at all. It's false humility. It would be kind of like saying, uh, using the word humility and using the word exercise as an attitude. Do you exercise? Oh, I have the attitude of exercise for sure. <laughs> I, in my, my attitude, my disposition is for exercise. I, I, am, the be, I am an exerciser, in heart i mean i really am an exerciser and does that make sense get it what if what about help what if i'm a helper is a helper i'm a helping person is that an attitude or an action i can watch you unload a truckload of firewood and say man i just feel so helpful right now um (laughs) I'm, i'm help i'm a helping helper helping something i'm helping you helping me no there's no you can't say that okay the bible says to humble yourself and it is not an attitude as much as, I'll add that, I'll at least give it that much. As much as it is an action. And so if you're not humbling yourself in your actions, you're probably not humble at all. Okay, that gets, that gets interesting real fast. Okay, Father's Day, Mother's Day, whatever day it is, think about that uh, as you serve the people around you today. Are you humbling yourself to them? Are you serving them? gets exciting. I mean, I just was so floored at uh, this study time for me personally as I considered what it might mean for me to humble myself with my circles and how much humility is lacking within my leadership and within my example and within in my attitude. Oh, yeah, I'm humble. Okay, well, we just talked about that. That doesn't work. And... Uh, So let's just uh, get into this as we study it out. I wanted you to get the big picture. We might not be able to make it through all of what I want to today. And uh, so it says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come and that he should depart from the world to his father, we've seen that verbiage before, his hour had come, his hour had come. Throughout the Gospel of John, he keeps saying, my hour hasn't come yet, it's not my time, my hour's not come yet, it's not time yet, now all of a sudden there's a shift in verbiage, it's time. God's timetable will not be thwarted. God's timetable will not be stopped, okay? When God's servant is in the will of God, he is immortal until he is done. You can't be stopped. Jesus is at that stopping point now. He says, okay, the hour's here, and uh, now I'm here to do what I've come to do. And you need to understand that too. From the beginning of creation was the plan of redemption. That was how it all started. God and the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit co-opted together and said, let's create and let's redeem, and let's have a family, and that's the story in a grand meta narrative skill set. I should say. Look at verse thirteen, again. And I like how John says that his hour had come, and that his uh, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own, he loved them to the end. What does it mean to depart uh, to heaven? Look at that. He should depart from this world to the Father. Is John skipping a few parts here? Okay, his hour had come that he would depart. Does depart sound kind of nice? Like you go to an airport and you keep checking your ticket to see what time your departure is. What time's your departure? What time's your departure? What time's your departure? And uh, you look at that and you're like, okay, my departure's at 437. Okay, boarding time's at, you know, 417. And uh, right before that, I'm going to get betrayed. And uh, before that, I'm going to get denied. And before that, I'm going to get beaten openly. And then I'm going to get beaten privately. And then I'm going to get tried Openly, and then I'm going to get tried privately, and then I'm going to get crucified. By the way, before my departure, and uh, I'm going to die, and I'll be buried in the tomb, and, and I'm going to go to the center of the earth and preach to the spirits there. It says in Peter, and preach the message of victory uh, to those who've been waiting in Abraham's bosom. And then I'm going to uh, take sin and and lock it up, and take death and lock it up, and I'm going to be raised from the dead before my departure. And then I'm going to live for 40 days on earth, uh, uh, rehearsing this miracle, and then then I'm going to depart. I just like this verse because it just, it's so quick. Oh, his hour had come. He's going to depart. And there's so much more going on. This is the Super Bowl. Yet Jesus stays focused. Would your hands be sweating at this point if you're Jesus? I mean, you're like, okay, I, when's your departure time? Oh, less than 24 hours, and there's a few stops in between. Um, and uh, yeah, it might get, might get rough. And uh, so what does Jesus do? Look at the end of verse 13. Having loved his own who were in the world... He loved them to the end. Uh, the actual Greek says he loved them to the uttermost. And then John describes what that love looked like. He said, first of all, Jesus on his mission while he was here, he he loved. Every, he just loved. That's what he did. He loved. And then when it got to this point, guess what he kept doing? Loving. He kept loving to the end. He could have sat there with his boys and looked at them and said, there's Peter. And he's gonna deny me three times. Unless, three times he's gonna pretend he doesn't even know me. I don't love him anymore. He could have looked at Thomas. After I'm raised from the dead, Thomas is going to even doubt that I even am alive. Thomas, you fool. There's Judas. Who invited Judas anyways? What is Judas doing here? Could someone just get rid of Judas, please? Anybody, if we had a committee, would you all vote for Judas to just be absent from the Last Supper? Okay, Jesus doesn't need a committee. He makes his own decisions. Judas is there. Pete's there. Thomas is there. The rest of the boys are there, and he loves them to the end. Okay, that's how God looks at you. He loves you to the end. He loves you through thick and thin. His, his attitude and his action towards you is love. God is love. In 1 Corinthians 13, love is ex- described pretty extravagantly, and it's a, a high call to us to love one another in that way, but more than that, it is a description of God's love towards you and me. It doesn't keep record of wrong. It never fails. It... Um, covers a multitude of sins love is who God is I just want you to get that today that's what you hear when you leave here wow God loves me I kind of feel like Peter I just deny the Lord kind of feel like Thomas I just doubt the Lord I kind of feel like Judas I straight up betray the Lord in my actions and my activities sometimes he loves you he loves you it's him uh, why we're here today not because of you not because of me and look at verse 2 and supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Uh, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from the Father and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garment. Stop right there, eyes up here. Uh, back up to verse 2. Just get, It says, after supper being ended. So this is late into the evening, if you would. The, the supper has been eaten. And uh, Judas is there and his heart is bent. This is the when of humbling yourself. When should I humble myself? Uh, when it's nasty, okay. Uh, how many of you guys seen Leonardo DiCaprio or Da Vinci? Not DiCaprio. Uh, da Vinci's The Last Supper painting. You know, Jesus is sitting in the middle, and he's got you know six guys on either side, and they're all looking down at him. That's the wrong picture. That's a false picture. Okay, they they're laying on the ground around a table a spherical table and they're laying with their heads and shoulders towards it with pillows everywhere and their feet all sticking out okay that's how there's no sitting down in that day and so they're laying there and when they got to this last supper there were no servants available at the time we know from the text to wash their feet this was a custom in that day of foot washing not just ceremonially like hey let's let's do a foot washing but dude for real you stepped in something gnarly okay the streets in that day were uh, not paved they were muddy and dirty and dusty and the streets in that day were not driven by cars they were driven by cows okay and uh, cows leave cow pies and and donkeys leave uh donkey pies and and camels leave camel pies and and uh all that stuff would be in between your toes on the soles of your feet in your sandals nasty gnarly can i you, you get it am i done okay you got that i got some pictures Not just kidding and uh Supper's done. These guys have their shoes on or off, I'm not sure, but they haven't been cleansed. Can you imagine what the room would smell like at this point? Okay, the the food smells and uh, Judas probably smelled a little bit. I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, the feet. It's at this point, Jesus is looking at his boys. He's like, okay, nunchuck skills time. You guys ready to take over the world? I'm gonna teach you what I know. So he gets up at that point, having loved them to the end. And uh, join me again in verse three. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was going... uh, that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel, and he girded himself. Look at verse four and five and look at the verbs. Okay, verbs are action words. And so this is what he's doing. He rose from supper. He laid aside his garments. He took a towel. He girded himself. He poured the water. He washed the disciples' feet. He wiped them with the towel with which he was girded. See, humility is an action. It is something you do for people. It's not just something you feel, not something you wish upon them, not something you have a strong hope for in their life. It is something you get off your blessed assurance and you move in action uh, toward the betterment of somebody else, even, even to the sacrifice of your comfort and yourself. Now, would it, make sense, would it make sense to you if Jesus were to say, hey, you know what? We kind of missed a point here. We all got stinky feet. Hey, Judas figure it out you know Judas do something get a bucket man figure this out and he probably would have okay probably would have but Jesus is saying no no this is my last time I need you guys to understand if you're going to take over the world right you need to do it in humility and if you don't understand that that's an action not just an attitude uh, you're going to miss it so let me just demonstrate for you as he girds himself in the servant's robe I think the imagery here is so important. Couldn't Jesus just left his robe on? Couldn't he have have just got a little bit of help? He says, no, no, I need you to understand and to see it, that those who are believers are servants of all. Those who are the greatest are the slaves of all is what he had taught. They're not the highest, the mightiest. By the way, other gospel writers tell us that during this conversation at the mealtime, there was an argument that broke out. And the argument broke out. And do you know what? The, Jesus wasn't part of the argument, by the way. Uh, the disciples were part of the argument. Do you know what they were arguing about? Who is going to be the greatest? And they were jockeying for position, volleying for leadership. You know what? I think I, I think I know more than you guys do. I mean, I've been with them. I was at the Mount of Transfiguration and I've seen this. And Jesus did say to me, Peter, he said to me, he's going to build the church on me. I'm just saying, guys, do the math. And they're arguing about who the greatest is. And maybe at that very moment, Judas, 30 pieces of silver in his pocket. Uh, mud and yuck and crud everywhere on the soles of their feet. This pride, Jesus stands up. And literally, if you, if you read the context, it says he takes off his clothes. I'm sure he had undergarments on, but he was in that culture um, humbling himself to the most he could and then put on a servant's robe and then use that same robe to wipe their feet. To get in the ministry is to get messy. To be a servant of God is to get dirty and to get other people's dirt, sometimes even on you. And he begins then to exercise this demonstration. Now, we've talked about the when of humility. Okay, when it's nasty, when it's gross. You could even write this down in your notes when it's personal. Judas having already twisted his heart towards darkness, Jesus knowing that. I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit uh, even now convicts you of somebody who uh, personally has offended you, that you need to humble yourself towards and exercise, exercise, exercise humility towards. Maybe not even just forgive. Okay, that's, just, that's an attitude. Like, that's good. But why not humble yourself to them? I, d- I dare you. Oh, but they hurt me. But they hurt me. Okay, yeah, I, 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 I think Jesus understands. I think, he, I think he has some insight there. But, they, don't, but they, they, they blackmailed me. They sued me. They, 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 they took my name through the mud. Yep, yep, yep. Humble yourself. Radical, mind-blowing. Jesus could have done a miracle, could have preached a sermon. Instead, he did this, mind-melting. Humble yourself and serve the people around you. And I don't have time to keep going well, as I intended to, but I want you to see verse 3 in context of what Jesus is doing. And here's how Jesus did this. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God. Three things right there. Three things boil down into two points you need to write down. How did Jesus humble himself to this betrayer to these deniers to these prideful arguers to these idiots to these people idiots by the way it's what they're called in Acts chapter 4 uh, 4 13 I believe it is uh, idiotos in the Greek and that's what they're called to the how did how did Jesus humble himself to these guys these three things is what he had look at uh, verse 3 again with me he had identity and he had authority this is what set Jesus free to humble himself in the way that he did because he knew that God had given him everything Look at verse one, uh, 3 again. Knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. He knew that he had been given everything. Now when you have everything you need, you can do anything. You know that? When you feel like you don't have enough, when you feel like you're bankrupt, when you feel like you're malnourished uh, or insufficient in funds or loving or giving, when you don't have, it's a gamble. I just don't know if it's going to work. I just can't do it. I don't have enough. Jesus here is about to die. He's going to depart. A few stops on the way but he knew God had given him everything, okay? That's authority. You understand that? You want to be able to know that you can do whatever. You can talk to the group that comes to your doorway, or you can love on the people during the next holiday season, or you can forgive them, or you can serve them. Listen, here's how you do it. You know how it ends. I win. Write that down. Say, I know how it ends. I win. When you're driving down the road, when you're paying your bills, when you're loving your kids, when you're forgiving your spouse, you can say, if you're a Christian here today, look, I know how it ends. ha. <laughs> I win, I'm, I win, I've got everything given to me, nothing can be taken from me because God is sovereign, you can't stop this, I win, I've got all I need, I don't lack, I don't have to fight dirty, I don't have to retaliate, I don't have to panic, anybody out there panic? What's going to happen? What are they going to do? What am I going to do? Listen, you win. Oh, okay, <laughs> let's go get coffee, then you go get, then you go get coffee, you just remind yourself that you're on the winning team. Uh, the Bible says no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Uh, the Bible says that all things work together for your good. Uh, the Bible says that God has a plan and a future and a hope, and it's not evil. That's what God says for you. Okay, you're on the winning team. Uh, second thing I want you to point out, not just uh, I know how it ends, I win. Write this down. I know who I am. I'm his. Uh, look at the second thing. He said, Jesus, knowing the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God. Okay, Jesus knew who he was. I'm, I'm from God, I'm, I'm his, I'm the father's. I'm, you can't touch me, you can't stop me. I don't know uh, what your self-confidence level goes up and down, but you are God's. You are made in his image, okay? Look on the coins and the dollar bills in your pocket, and there's an image on them, it's the government's, that's the government's money. All their government representatives are on that money, they put their faces on that money because it's their money. Guess who was on your face? Believe it or not, God, man and woman. You want some confidence? You better have your identity right. Whose are you? I'm the Lord's. I win. This is great. You can't stop me, but there might be some mud involved. There might be some stops before my departure. Okay, okay, that's life. That's where we get into John 14. That's where we get into the the discourse. That's where we get into Jesus teaching these guys, look, it's going to get rough. It's going to be some rough sledding for a second there but you win. I know who I am. I'm his. And then check out the third thing before we end in response to Jesus today by communion together and singing. He knew that he had come from God and was going to God. I know where I'm going. I'm going to glory. Okay, write all those down. I know how it ends. I win. I know who I am. I'm his, and I know where I'm going. I'm going to glory. I'm going to heaven. Jesus could, listen, Jesus could humble himself with action towards these people because he had what I like to call the big picture. You ever do a puzzle with one piece? Don't look right. You don't ever show it to anybody. Look at this puzzle I did. I didn't do nothing. It's not the big picture. It's just a piece. You ever do a puzzle and miss a piece? Man, Listen, all the pieces count. Your whole life counts. Every single thing you've been through, every single thing you've done, it counts. Then incorporate the big picture. What is God doing? You're his. You're his. You win. You're going to glory. What the heck else is there to worry about? What are we doing? Let's serve each other. Let's get dirty. Let's stop worrying about the, the, the approval of man and all this other stuff. Let's live our lives in simplicity and humility. Such a joy will come over you. Live for the applause, the approval, the audience of one. And your life will be monumental. Jesus said to his disciples when they were arguing in an earlier point on the road, who would be the greatest. He didn't slap them on the face. He's you talking about being the greatest? He didn't do that. Instead he said, oh, oh, oh talking about being the greatest? Okay, okay, I'll go there with you. Here's how you become the greatest. Become the servant of all. He wasn't down on being the greatest person in the world, nor should you be. But there's a way that's right, that is God's way, and there's a way that's wrong, which is man's way. You gotta go lower. And the joy that will fill your heart, the peace that will overwhelm you, the purpose that will inframe your life and give you identity and authority, go lower. Yeah, but they hurt me. But they're wrong. They're wrong. Were these guys wrong? Did Judas make a mistake? We all make mistakes. But not all of us humble ourselves. I'm going to ask you guys to pray with me as I invite Chris back up. We're going to respond by taking communion together and singing. Father, I thank you for, again, your, uh, your humility that God would be humble at all. Lord, I can think of a, thousand different reactions from a king to a rebellious uh, people and jesus uh, to your rebellious people you came down and humbled yourself as a servant and lived amongst us and healed and taught and eventually served through your hour into departure it's just it's absolutely mind melting and so we thank you lord for your humility And we ask that we would be more like Jesus. That's our only prayer. We just want to be more like you. Lord, we thank you for the authority you've given to us that all things are given to us and nothing can stop us. Thank you for allowing us to be on your team. Thank you for the identity that is in God, knowing that we're created in your image. And thank you for the hope of the glory to come. We know where we're going. There is no reason to hold on to bitterness. No reason to hold on to hatred. No reason to hold on to the grudge. No heavenly reason at all. Only human reasons. Only that human fear. Wanting to please ourselves or please the people around us or do what's right. Lord, help us to believe and to confess that we believe and to exercise our belief in the way we live, forgive, humbly serve. You have given it to us all, authority and identity. The example of Jesus is our MO, our modus operandi, our mantra, our method, and our message. If there's anybody here today that would say, you know what, I just, I don't know if I'm even becoming more like Jesus I just I don't know if I am I want to be more like Jesus today and and maybe I am becoming more like Jesus and I celebrate that but I just I, I agree I agree with the, the word and I want to be a doer now I want to be a doer of the word and you would say Lord just take me to the next level take me deeper would you just raise your hands to the Lord my eyes are closed I'm not looking I don't want to look Lord, you just see the hands these people who say, yeah, yeah, Lord, forgive me for being so shallow, so small, so impotent, so whatever it is, Lord, would you resurrect in me new life and new purpose, new identity and new authority that my life would count, that I would be the greatest in my family because I'm the lowest. I'm the servant. And my joy would be full and my peace would be large. Lord, bless us. You're Kingdom is upside down compared to ours. We want to live in yours, not ours. Heal us and set us free. Thank you, Lord, that your forgiveness is readily available. It's here right now. We're going to take communion together. We're going to celebrate the newness that is available to those who confess their needs, who let you wash us uh, through your word and through your spirit, Lord. So bless us now as we come to the table and respond in worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you all stand with me, please, as we prepare to uh, sing together? Come down the aisles to your, uh, get your communion. Go back out the sides uh, to your chairs. The communion tables are open now. And there's people on my left and on my right uh, to pray for you if you need prayer during this time as we sing a couple songs together.